Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space. Add Buzzsprout and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello and welcome to the 43rd episode of Barefooting with Sierra. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional land, gathering place, and traveling route of the Cree, Anishinaabe, Blackfoot, Dene, Nakota Sioux, Métis, and others for time immemorial. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist, and I've been living without shoes since 2010. I alternate between using she, her, and they, them pronouns. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. In this episode, I interviewed author Darylise Lyons. I'm going to break this podcast up into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. I'll give you updates on what I'm working on, let you know about any new works you can see, and keep you in the know about when I do free book giveaways on Amazon. Let's get started. First up, novels. What if a successful author, who has everything she wants out of her career, but far from everything she wants in her marriage, found out firsthand that her celebrity crush was a sexual predator? The major problem I discovered when doing my first round of edits, The Price of Fame, which delves into this story, was that my main character, horror author Jessica Hansley, lacks dynamism and emotional depth. My son's always asking me what is the moral of this story when I read books to him. There was no moral to her story. It was just a series of things that happened to her. I had a good plot. Now I'm going back to rewriting with that making a good story. And of course, with my postbellum romance, I realized the same thing about my characters. They're just people that a lot of things are happening to instead of people with emotional depth in a story with elements that readers will relate to. The good thing is that I'm less than halfway through what I originally planned as the plot, so it's less to go back and fix. Instead, I can incorporate it into what I'm continuing to write and add to the things that I've already written. Noticing things like this in my own work instead of having to have someone else point them out to me is a sign that my craft as a writer is improving. And I'm actually quite happy about it. And now for my interview with author Darylise Lyons. Well, hey, Darylise, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Please tell us a little about yourself, where you're from and what you do. Absolutely. So I am, well, I'm from Greenwich, Connecticut, but I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I've lived here for the last maybe 11 or so years. And I am a transformational storyteller. So I believe that the stories we tell ourselves and others have the power to transform the lives that we live. And I do storytelling in a number of different forums. So I'm an author, I'm an actor, I'm an activist, I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert. But I would say that, you know, storytelling is a through line through which I do all of my work. I love that. I'm I'm currently reading Story Genius by, I can't remember who it's by. Give me just one second. But it, it talks about, how story is intricately connected to human biology, how we're biologically wired to, it's by Lisa Crone, C-R-O-N. We're biologically wired to respond to stories. And it's 
something that like we just we have in our DNA that we respond to stories. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if we think about any of the world's major religions, right, like the parables um, being utilized as a way to really drive lessons home, or, you know, even just thinking about, like, so I don't remember any of the facts around history, like any of the dates or anything like that, that I learned in my history classes in school, but I remember the concepts, I remember the why, and I think it's because of story, you know, if you can attach an emotion to information, then it really does push us and drive us to kind of retain that and to be changed by, by that story. So yeah, I think, and the other thing is, you know, storytelling is dynamic. I think we look at our past or we look at things in our lives as like, oh, well, this thing happened and I'm always going to feel the same way about it. And it's all, you know, this is this fixed thing that, that occurred in my life. But I find that our stories change as we grow, as we evolve, as we gain different perspective, as we get new information. And so, yeah, a lot of the work that I do is about this sort of radical storytelling as a means of healing, as a means of transformation, as a means of bringing about social change. So it's super fun and interesting. And I think very core to who we are as humans. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Can you excuse me one second? Got a mom life crisis. Just one second. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) A single mom to a seven-year-old and that gets, (laughs) he's great, but it's comes with its, it's, blessings and struggles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I bet you got a ton of stories about that, you know, oh, and, the, sure. and the versions you're telling now might be very different than the versions you tell when he's 17. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. He, he inspires me in every sense of the word, but he definitely helps my storytelling. <laughs> so what, what helps you in your storytelling? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say So I guess there's two kinds of storytelling work that I do. One is maybe more personal and then the other is more um, social and more kind of oriented towards changing others, right? And so there's the stories that sort of come to me because I need to tell them at a soul level and it feels really important to get them out, get them out on paper, whether it's for personal catharsis or just because it's an interesting theme that I want to explore, or maybe I had a, like a dream and it like inspired me or evoked something, but then there's the storytelling that I do. So for example, I'm one of the co-creators of the Demystifying Diversity podcast, and I'm a journalist. And so, you know, in that space, I'm not telling my own stories, but I'm weaving together the voices of other people in order to communicate a thematic message around their shared stories. So um, I I guess I would say that there's the stories that I am telling for myself and then the stories of others that I'm using my storytelling skill to kind of draw forward and and integrate. And I would say that um, they're differently inspired. The stories that I tell for me are inspired for all the reasons I just listed. And then the other people's stories it really is just this feeling that some people might not have the platform or the audience or um, the exposure. And I, I believe that people's stories are very, very important, profoundly important and have the capacity to change hearts and minds. And I think especially with marginalized and underrepresented people, um, you know, people aren't necessarily listening, right? And so I think that's one of the reasons that I want those stories to be told. And 
it's a balancing act because I'm not really telling their stories. I'm, tr- I'm doing my best to communicate um, sort of a narrative thread while allowing those voices to speak for themselves. So that was a long answer to your short question, but um, it's complicated. Absolutely. As so many things in life are and activism, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm on the margins of activism work. I like, I go to protests and I'm a journalist, but I find even just witnessing people will come and ask me the story of what's going on. And even just trying to explain, this is what happened. It gets it's complicated. There are lots of deep issues that you have to try to break down for people on a basic level because people still don't get it. Yeah. And um, I don't think journalism has made me any better at giving answers. I think it's just made me ask more constructive questions and sort of pose, pose more uh, problems. And uh, But it, you point to an interesting sort of side note, right, which is that this idea of witnessing things, and I'm sure that, Sierra, you're probably familiar with this information, but uh, it's been shown that conclusively that eyewitness testimony is the most unreliable source information, you know, in terms of court cases and and witness recall and and whatnot. And, And so I think it's really important for me to know that I can only speak to my own experience of something. So I can tell you my story. I can tell you the way I think I heard someone else's story as they relayed it to me, but I can't speak on behalf of other people. And I think that's an area where many people, myself included, have gotten into trouble in the past, you know, trying to be the microphone for someone else, trying to, you know, name someone else's experience. And I, I just think, you know, ours are the only stories that we're equipped to tell. Absolutely. That's, that's a great way to articulate it is that eyewitness experience is notoriously unreliable. And we see it time and time again. How do you kind of combat that in in your work? That's a great question. So podcasting is a great medium for that, because I'm not I can quite literally utilize the voices of the people that I interview as opposed to there is other print journalism that I do and sort of online articles that I'll write. And that's a little bit different because even though I'm quoting that source material and even though I'm saying what someone else said, I can't communicate their tone. I can't communicate. I mean, I can sort of communicate their expressions, but there is more of me in those pieces and it is more kind of editorial versus with the Demystifying Diversity podcast, uh, for example, it's more of me sort of maybe giving some historical background, giving some data, talking about the different Um, threads and ideas that are important, but then I'm letting people speak for themselves. And I think that in that way, it's easier to, um, to be really, really true and really in keeping with um, what people would want to say, what they said to me, you know, and and the way that they said it. For sure. I've, I've found that as well in, in my own, like this is, this is an interview I had with someone here. It is in print form. 
I can kind of chop up what they said in pieces and use a snippet of it here and a snippet of it there and interject my own words in there in almost telling their story for them. But when you've got that podcast, that audio clip, they're there, their voice is there. And I think video is even more, it's right there. That's them. There is no, and like, sure, you can do a little bit of editing and cut pieces here and there, but there's only so much you can do to, to warp what someone is actually saying at that point. Yeah, it's super funny. I mean, this is a side note, but I remember that um, a few years ago, someone who was on a reality TV show kind of threatened to sue the network that he, that he, he was on that, that show with. And he was saying, you know, I didn't like how I was depicted. I didn't appreciate this. I didn't, you know, and the network effectively came back and said, you know, yeah, we cut some things, but everything that you were on camera saying you were on camera saying, you know, and so it ended up that the case got thrown out and um, yeah, it's, I, I just really think that, that yes, the more that people are speaking their own truth, telling their own stories, I think the more space it creates for all of us to, to be ourselves, to take up spaces ourselves to, um, you know, and it's, it's helpful as well because i so when I do diversity work, I always talk about how important it, important we are as human beings, you know, and also how limited we are. Like I only am a biracial woman. I'm um, a bisexual. So, you know, I have my own lived experiences and I can talk about that and I can talk about different things that I know information about, but like I, my lane is not going to be the same lane as a heterosexual white man or a, um, black woman or a, a genderqueer person with a disability, right? Like, I, I mean, it's just, there's so many different experiences, all of which have depth and weight and breadth and are important. And I can only speak to mine and you can only speak to yours and the person next to you can only speak to theirs. And so I think that recognition of our vastness as human beings and also our human limitations is really essential um, as a precursor to doing diversity work because then you start to get really curious about, oh, that person's experience over there is very different than mine. I want to go and learn from that person because that's a world that I don't have access to. You know, that is outside of the realm of what is in my capacity to know. So I think diversity work is very humbling and very empowering at the same time. Absolutely. And there's, there's only one you, only you can tell your story. No one else can really speak your truth. Yeah, that's so true. And like, it's funny because I use this language too, and you just did as well. Like this idea that I can tell my story, I can give you snippets of my story, but you know, I'm 37 years old. I'll be 38 years old and uh, however long. And, you know, and like, if we were sitting here today, even if I thought I was telling you my entire life story, there are things I don't remember. There are things that happened that have shaped me, that make me who I am, but I'll, they'll slip my mind if we're sitting here in conversation. Plus you don't have, you know, 365 days times 37 times, however many number of hours for me to relay every second of my life to you. So even saying, you know, I'm going to tell you my story, you'll, you'll get a sliver of me. You'll get a piece and it won't be informed by all the different factors, but you'll get more of me than if you try to tell my story. So like, I think we're, 
we're always just getting parts of each other and also parts of ourselves. I mean, I don't remember things that happened when I was five. I have family members who will tell me stories about it. And so, yeah, it's just, it's really, it's so complex and dynamic and probably not even the question that you wanted to ask, but this is the kind of stuff I think about. It's really fascinating to me. I love that. How do you think the stories that other people tell us help make us who we are? Oh, that's such a great question. So in the diversity space, with my experience as a journalist, when other people entrust me with things that they might not typically talk about, right? So like their experiences of subjugation, their experiences of pain, their experiences of being persecuted, as a result of their race, their religion, their gender identity, their sexual orientation, you know, um, just people, when they talk to me about the depth of their pain and also their human resilience, there's something in me that it's like a soul resonance. It, I don't, I just, I feel forever altered as a person because I've been able to sit with at this point, hundreds of people now, you know, and sort of fall in love with people from all different stratospheres of life, all different stratospheres of society. So that's a huge thing for me. Um, now, Sierra, in my personal life, it's a little bit different, right? Because there's a layer of like, I mean, sometimes we tell things to strangers that we wouldn't necessarily (laughs) tell to our best friends or family members. So I would say that the kind of intimate sharing that I get to do at work really changes my heart and it opens me up to people that I, I just wouldn't know about, or I might have preconceived notions about, or or what have you. Um, The intimate sharing that happens between friends and family and loved ones, it's there's a different level of impact. It's not more, it's not better. It's not worse. It's just, it's something that is like that fundamentally changes the nature of the relationship. I think for the better, but I just want to make there, there is a distinction I think between this professional uh, sharing or the sharing that might happen, you know, if we're sitting shoulder to shoulder with a stranger on a train or a bus or an airplane, um, you know, once, COVID restrictions are lifted, but you know, like there's a, that sharing is important too. And it does something to us, but it's different than the kind of sharing that happens in these ongoing relationships that not only transforms us and transforms the other person, but then we're we're left with those transformations to carry forward because we're in continued contact with that person. So yeah, I mean, I think both things matter and they're somehow different and they're both important in our lives. For sure. Definitely. But it has been so wonderful chatting with you. Uh, where can people find your work and find you online? Oh, yeah. Great. Thank you so much. So I have two places where people can contact me. They can go to my website, daraleeslyons.com. That's D-A-R-A-L-Y-S-E-L-Y-O-N-S.com. Or they can go to demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com. And on there are links to all my different social uh, links and uh, contact forms. And so people can send messages directly through there. But yeah, I, I love hearing from people and they can also subscribe to the Demystifying Diversity podcast or buy my book, Demystifying Diversity, Embracing Our Shared Humanity. So lots of ways people can learn and interact and, and connect. 
Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you. And now for comics. This week's comic, Goodbye Summer, is a play on a classic meme, Goodbye Hot Girl Summer, Hello Deranged Possum Fall. It's been below 15 Celsius or 60 Fahrenheit for most of this last week. I actually had to put on a jacket for a couple of these days, so it's starting to feel like autumn to me. A preview of this comic featuring Petunia Opossum eating some pumpkin is available on my comics social media pages, and the full image is on my Patreon at patreon.com slash possumpeat. In comics news, Free Comic Book Day, which is normally held in May every year, was postponed to August 14th this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And like they always do, Wizards Comics in Sherwood Park, Alberta, held a fundraising drive for the Alberta Cancer Society in conjunction with Free Comic Book Day. At Wizards Comics, you can only take three of the free comic books, but if you make a donation to the Alberta Cancer Society, you can take more. Store manager Michael Berman explained to Sherwood Park News, It was a cause that was very dear to Jeff McKay, one of the founders of the company, and he always liked to joke around it was a way to make sure people didn't take all of the comics. McKay died of cancer in March 2020, and the comic book store continues his tradition as a way to honor him. In other free comic book day news, this headline made me laugh out loud. Long Island Library accidentally gives out pornographic comic to families. That's my mom you hear laughing in the background. (laughs) Farmingdale Public Library in Long Island, New York, was also giving out free comics on August 14th. They handed out their free comics and giveaway bags, apparently without looking through the contents that people sent in to be included in free comic book day. After a parent brought the explicit material in Tales of a Grown-Up Nothing to the library's attention, they removed the comic from the rest of the giveaway bags and issued an apology. The cover of the comic has a girl on a skateboard and looks like a fun adventure comics for kids at first glance. But you know what they say, you can't judge a book by its cover. In the comic by Elizabeth Pick, the main character sees a sign in a bookstore that says books for men. They tell the store clerk, I would like to buy the manliest book in this store. I'm very manly. I enjoy having sex with many people. Sex. No emotions. Very many people. The clerk replies, please leave my store. The comic book can best be described as an esoteric exploration of sexual longing and gender roles. The imagery includes exposed breasts and pubic hair, cowgirl position interracial sex, and an orange strap-on. Personally, I loved it. Definitely not for children, though. But to be fair, she does skateboard in the comic. Listen up, everybody, because you are not going to want to miss this. Naveo Photo Journals has an exclusive offer for my listeners. With back to school, COVID still going on, and all the regular everyday craziness in the world, Naveo has come up with the perfect solution for sharing photos with faraway family members. Just download their app, add your photos, and tell them where to send it. At the end of the month, Naveo prints and ships your photo book to whoever you ask them to. Your parents in another country, or your brother off at university, or your grandparents you haven't seen before the pandemic, it's up to you. And with this exclusive offer, you can get your first two months absolutely free. Just use discount code BAREFOOT, that's B-A-R-E-F-O-O-T, all capital letters, in the Naveo app. My grandparents love their Naveo photo books, and your relatives will too. All right, next up is journalism. I've been reading Chad Daybell's book, Escape to Zion, as part of my research on what the heck goes on in his mind. Let me just say, do not waste your time with that one. Don't waste your time with any of his books, but especially not that one. They're all laughably bad, but this one is utter nonsense. His books do give fascinating insights into the themes that he frequently thinks about, so they're useful research for the book I'm writing. Pleasant reads, they are not. In current events... 
Federal New Democrat Party leader Jagmeet Singh came to Edmonton last week to hold a rally in support of candidate Blake Desjardins, who is running for Edmonton Greasebaugh Member of Parliament. Here's audio from that rally. I want you to know we spoke with some healthcare workers today. We spoke with frontline healthcare workers and they are hurting. These are the workers that were that we considered heroes. That were on the front lines fighting for us. But Jason Kenny turned his back on them. And we said to these workers, you are heroes, and you should be treated like heroes. Yeah. We Democrats, we are the party of healthcare. We believe yeah. in healthcare. And so we want people to know in Alberta, you can count on New Democrats to fight for you and your families. We're going to fight for a healthcare system that's public, that's fiercely universal, and that's there for everyone when they need it. election we saw in one of the worst challenges that we were up against one of the worst challenges in our lifetimes that the conservatives they did literally nothing to make people's lives better if they're not going to stand up for people in this most difficult time when would they ever stand up for people probably never good answer probably never someone in the front says brother you're right we want folks to know that when people needed help, New Democrats were there, we doubled the amount of serve that people got, we increased the wage subsidy, we did millions of jobs, we got millions of people saved in the home. And there's one other big choice, one other big choice moving forward in the recovery. We know that what governments have done in the past, we've seen liberals and conservatives do this. When times are tough, they either cut the help that people need or put the burden on the same people that have went through the struggles. They increase taxes on workers and small business. We are the only party. We are the only party saying there's a third option. Let's make the billionaires the millionaires. are going to do we're going to make sure the billionaires and millionaires pay their fair share we invest that into our future we invest that into people into health care into making sure we invest in our economy that works for people not for the ultra rich not for those at the top we are going to build that brighter future together with justice for indigenous people clean drinking water for the first time yeah.
us there for you when you need it. And we make sure we build an economy where we create good jobs for today and tomorrow. And we take care of our planet. We take care of the air and the water and the land. We can do that together. Thank you so much for being here. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. I had so many barefoot adventures this week, including a focus group where the provincial government asked us for feedback on how we got through COVID lockdown and what we needed to recover. The consensus was pretty much unanimous that there was nowhere near enough mental health support. I sat through the whole panel with no shoes on, and while I did get a few interested looks, no one said anything. I also attended the Jagmeet Singh rally barefoot. That's all for this week's episode. I'll be back next week with an interview with author Michael R. French. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at sierrathebarefoot, on Facebook as sierrathebarefootgirl, on Twitter at sierrabarefoot, and on TikTok at sierraisbarefoot. You can follow the podcast itself on Instagram at barefootingwithsierra. All of my books are available on Amazon. My comics are available on Instagram at World of Possums, on Facebook, Possum Pete Comics, and at patreon.com slash possumpete. Thank you to Legion X for the intro and outro music. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, and please share it with a friend if you've enjoyed it. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.